As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. It's Straight Down to Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up, Blues Lose Cup Final, Gary Neville coins phrase. We'll give immediate and considered analysis and look ahead to Leeds. It's a season definer. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. And this is not the pod that we were hoping to bring you on this particular Monday, but I'm afraid we have to lament rather than to celebrate after Chelsea were beaten in the Carabao Cup final right at the end by Liverpool and specifically Virgil van Dijk. It's me, Matt, here to break it down in the company of two men who were at Wembley on Sunday. Hello, Simon Johnson. Morning. And Liam Toomey's with us too. You okay, Liam? We didn't cost a billion, but we'll always be your bottle jobs, Matt. (laughs) I didn't want to say it, but everybody was thinking it. Uh, Right. Well, as I say, the chaps were at Wembley yesterday and gave us some immediate reaction. So here's a sad woman introducing some disappointed men talking from our national stadium where Chelsea lost again. Hello, producer Lucy here at Wembley after Chelsea lost yet another cup final. I'm too depressed to speak, so I'm going to hand over to the capable hands of Liam Toomey and Simon Johnson, who can tell you more. Thanks, Lucy. Well, that played out in pretty much the bleakest possible way from a Chelsea perspective, didn't it, Simon? For a long time, it felt like a rerun of the Tuchel finals in 2022, but a sting in the tail, a sting in the tail from, I think, the best player on the pitch, Virgil van Dijk. And Chelsea are now looking at a result in the history books of losing to a team of half Liverpool youngsters. That's what people will say, won't they? What What are your abiding impressions of what you've just witnessed? It's more of the same, isn't it? I mean, at least this one didn't go to penalties, so I don't have to watch another penalty shootout. But 
arguably this is the most devastating out of the, the four cup finals they've lost to Liverpool now in a row because as you've already touched on the, the quality of the opposition yes Chelsea have been hampered by injuries but Liverpool almost unrecognisable the, the team that finished that game and Chelsea you know that we're used to them missing chances it's been a story that's been going on for years in all competitions and it's come back to bite them yet again I mean Liverpool had their number of chances as well of course but but they were there for the taking and, and particularly in extra time I thought Chelsea bizarrely were the ones that looked the the team that was struggling and the the inexperienced kids of Liverpool will finish the stronger and but of course Van Dijk you know a player that Chelsea tried to sign beat Liverpool to that sort of um, sliding doors moment Antonio Conte somewhere pointing animatedly at the screen continues to haunt them doesn't it that that missed moment but um, yeah this is going to be a really tough challenge for Pochettino to lift the players they've, they've got to somehow rally themselves against a, a much more rested Leeds team on Wednesday night in the FA Cup of course and uh, Leeds who played Friday night would have been delighted to see Chelsea go to 120 minutes and lose. Pochettino looked absolutely gutted. Badadag Bali shook him by the hand but when he went to get his medal. But I think I think Pochettino knows that was a bad result in front of the, uh, the co-owners who are here. One of many strange things about the game, I thought, was that it felt like in the second half, the last 20, 30 minutes, it seemed like Chelsea had the legs and Liverpool didn't. And then in extra time, Liverpool went and made five subs, despite having no experienced... Sorry, there's some sort of trophy celebration going on in the background. I don't know what that's all about. It felt like Klopp trusted his bench, despite having very few senior pros to call upon more than Pochettino did. I know Pochettino had quite a young bench as well, but that paid a cost for Chelsea in extra time as well, didn't it? I, and if you saw when they were huddling up at half-time and extra time, Caicedo, Dizassi, Chilwell all on the floor. It felt like Chelsea were out on their feet as well. But then you saw the subs he did bring on. Someone like Mudrik not attacking the ball at the near post. Has been known to ball watch on occasion. They didn't even need to block off anyone for Van Dijk to get a free run at the ball this time. Unlike that disallowed goal. I don't even know what my point is, Simon, yeah, but I, like, I, it, it's just kind of... Finals tend to be strange beasts, don't they? And they tend to be about who goes to win them. And it felt like Liverpool had that mentality and maybe yeah, Cole Palmer aside, because yeah. I think he looked like he was ready to win it for Chelsea. Chelsea didn't. I don't want this to come across the wrong way because, as I've already touched upon, Chelsea should have been stronger than a bunch of kids. But I did say this before the game. So, you know, like if you're on the discussion page or whatever, I did flag that I still consider Liverpool to be favourites regardless of whatever team they put out because this is the group of players that have played under the same manager for eight, nine years. And so even though they're clearly not as good as some of the players that, that can, can play, they know the system, they know how clock works, they, they've got that bond, that unity. Whereas I think we saw particularly in extra time, the problems of a, of a, of a new complete revamp of a squad, a, a squad that's still getting to know each other, a coach that's still trying to get to know his players. And I think fatigue was massive and, and Chelsea really did, did drop massively. 
uh, in terms of their energy. And Liverpool were the stronger team in extra time. I thought it was going to penalties. You thought it was going to be uh, history repeating itself. I was thinking of Kepa. I was wondering where he was, what he was up to, whether he was tuning in. But I did have a tweet ready. Is that Kepa's music for 118 minutes? And to be honest, look, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea, you know, to be, they, they got away with it with Van Dijk once. But to let him score, you know, from a set piece, it's criminal, absolutely criminal. And um, like I said, it, it's, this is a bit of pill for the whole club to swallow. And how they respond, it's, it's as I said, in three days' time, they, the season's on the line, really, because they can't afford to go out of the FA Cup as well. And Pochettino certainly can't afford to, go, to lose the leads of all teams. One of Chelsea's more traditional rivals. Liverpool's a new rivalry of the last 20 years. Leeds is a... Don't you just love this song? Going back to something you said, I think just to finish on, I think if you were looking at this through the prism of just uh, pure narrative, as we all want to do on occasion, you could say that this game showed up all the things money can't buy in this Chelsea project, which is... It's hard to imagine, in my mind anyway, a bigger validation of the mentality that Klopp has established at Liverpool from top to bottom, clearly through the youth teams, than the way this game played out. Because as you said, it was seamless. The youngsters came on, played with the same fearlessness, the same energy, the same tactical cohesion. And Chelsea just had none of that. And more importantly, the same belief. You know, Klopp, famous quote, monsters we're going to hear more of that of course in the next few days I'm sure um, but as much as it is a kind of eye-rolling you know statement it is kind of true he speaks it into an existence and if it, it feels like Chelsea they've amassed a lot of talent in this squad they haven't constructed anything close to that kind of mental fortitude certainly on occasions like this and we don't know if Pochettino will get time to build it or even if he's capable, because, you know, he built admirable teams at Tottenham that didn't win. And it just leaves it all hanging very uncertainly now, Simon, doesn't it? Have you got a final thought for us? A final like, thought? Like Jerry Springer. A final thought? Well, I feel like Jerry Springer. Um, no, I mean, I just think the next few months, there's more uncertainty about what happens to this football club, I think. And, and that, that is not healthy. Um, I think the speculation over Pochettino's future will now be a, an ongoing theme. There have been signs of progress, I, I think even at times this afternoon at Wembley. There were positive signs, but at the end of the day, it's all about winning trophies. Chelsea know that better than anyone. The most successful, still most successful team since 2005, but they've been caught up and overtaken. Bramovic is, is the past. Chelsea fans are going to struggle to move on from that, I think, because um, as we've been reminded, it's a lot tougher to uh, make your way back there when you've actually lost your place on the pedestal. No one remembers the positives of lost finals. And with that, this is Simon, Liam and a very depressed Lucy signing off from a red Wembley. Oh, crikey. Right, Simon, you've had uh, not quite 24 hours, but some time at least to reflect on it. How, how are you, you feeling any differently today than you were immediately in the aftermath? Were Chelsea unlucky? Did they miss their opportunity? Why did they retreat into their shell in extra time? I just think this is more than a cup final defeat, isn't it? 
there's a lot of baggage because Chelsea have now set this unwanted record of, of six domestic cup finals in a row. But it there's a sense of embarrassment, isn't there? And, and I think that's why everyone feels, you know, that is connected to the club. They're going to feel this a lot more than just a cup final defeat because, as Liam touched upon on his piece, that I'm sure he's going to talk about, you know, Chelsea become a, a source of mockery again, you know, for the money they've spent and the manner in which they lost to a very young, ended up being a very young Liverpool side. So it just feels like it's more than a cup final disappointment. It's kind of a, it's a chance for everyone to mock Chelsea and, and, and they're under the microscope and rightly so, because to the winner go the spoils, to the losers goes all the acrimony and inquest and scrutiny. Mm, that's what we're here to do. Uh, Mesquite and Cup final defeat then. Let's pepper in some tweets as we go here. We've got loads of them. Many thanks to everyone who got in touch. Hopefully it's um, cathartic for you. Even if they don't get read out, they all get read and we appreciate them. Adam says, gutted, but I honestly think we were the better team for big chunks. Really sad at how late in the game the goal came though. Even with a couple of missteps, Gusto is awesome. The team is building. If we stick with Parch, we'll have a great 24-25. There's promise here. Nice one, Adam. Positive, not a mood shared by everybody. James says, strange subs, but they were supposedly tired. Meh and Calamasks. How does this Chelsea squad bounce back from this? It can't boil down to experience given the Liverpool side they faced. This feels like a loss that can fully derail an already tumultuous season. That's the worry, right, Liam? That given the, the circumstances and, and the opposition and, and the age thereof, that this is going to take too long to recover from for Chelsea, specifically longer than the couple of days that they've got before the next biggest game of the season. Yeah, it played out in pretty much the most emotionally devastating way possible, not just for fans, but I think for the players themselves. Can I just quickly apologise for the state of my voice on that voice note? In the stadium, with the Liverpool celebrations and the music, it was really loud and I convinced myself I had to shout. And when I do that, my voice takes on a, a, an annoying shrill quality that I can only... Uh, it's not like my uh, Gareth Southgate neutral voice that, <laughs> that many people have remarked upon. But um, yeah, they don't have much time to get this out of their system. You know, Chelsea fans will will be expecting a response against Leeds. Well, the ones who haven't already lapsed into total apathy <laughs> based on the way this season has gone. But it, to be honest, even if they beat Leeds, it's hard to have any real confidence that should they by some chance make it to the FA Cup final, it will be a different story. You know, that finals tend to show you who teams are, who clubs are. And Chelsea haven't been the expert winners of cup finals for some time now. That's not something that sits on a new ownership. I think that's a longer term decline. And it's it, it it's primarily because the teams that they've been fielding in these finals are a market drop in quality and in personality, I think, from the peak teams of the Abramovich era. The worry, I think, is is the way that this particular final played out and the way that they ended up losing it, the way it will be remembered with that Neville line, which doesn't really matter how true or fair it is, how, how reflective of the reality it actually is. It is a line that people will remember. And I think that, that bottle jobs tag will follow this group of players around until they do something to shake it off. That's just the way these things work. So they, 
as Pochettino said in his press conference, they need to feel the pain and they need to use that pain now to try and rebound and find some way to finish the season in a positive way. But the difficulty is that most of the Chelsea fans didn't stick around to acknowledge what was, in fairness, a big effort from those Chelsea players, at least over the first 90 minutes, if not over 120. And that, that again, reflects the, the ongoing disconnect that we've written about a lot. And it certainly doesn't help Pochettino's case to be seen as something more than a Spursy coach who's making Chelsea Spursy. You know, that perception proves sticky. So so all of these things are, are going to remain in the system for some time. In light of what Gary Neville said, I, I've, I found it quite a pre-rehearsed, I, I may be speaking out of turn, I felt Gary Neville had that line in his head if he can come up with a line that dripping in alliteration and heavy on easy narrative off the cuff, you and I, Simon, have to be really worried as people who write about football for a living. We'll have to step away, won't we? Uh, and he should do straight out of Cobham as well. <laughs> but, you know, Gary Neville is, is gone for the American ownership almost from day one and it, it just felt like he enjoyed that moment. And But the problem is, is as Liam rightly points out, the way Chelsea played an extra time, it, it's it's very harsh, but it's hard to disagree with in the sense of, I didn't think they bottled the 90 minutes. And I, I think that's where the, the harshness of his comment comes in. I mean, you know, Chelsea played well, but extra time was just a very weird performance. He didn't understand it. it. It was, yes, there was fatigue, but there just seemed to be a lack of belief when they need the belief the most. But where I think you've got to be a little bit careful is it did feel like the other five final defeats, which has got nothing to do with the new ownership, has sort of been added on to this one. You know, that it's 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 Liverpool again, but Chelsea had lost to Liverpool three times before under the previous ownership. There just seems to be an absolute dejection when it comes to facing Liverpool and losing to Liverpool, uh, which has become a a familiar and very difficult habit to break. But um, yeah, the, the inquest will go on. But uh, for Pochettino, I think this was, and I think I said this in the voice note, this, this was a very damaging defeat. The only thing I would disagree with about it being Spursy is Spursy don't reach cup finals to lose. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, we'll get on to Poch's post-match comments in a second, because Liam heard them live. A couple more tweets, though. Michael says, we had every advantage going into the game with the young Liverpool subs and fortunate VAR call, yet we still managed to seed the initiative and play the game Liverpool wanted. This one hurts. Damien just didn't have the inner belief that we could win. Back four were poor on the ball. That was a real issue for, for Colwell and Gusto in the first half, particularly. And Louis says, let's not try and kid ourselves that there's any progress. When you look at today, the league table and performances this season opinion sort of split on Maurizio Pochettino uh, Peter said so disappointing to lose the way we did having been the better side over 90 minutes understand why Poch had to make changes but the subs did us no favours at all and we look completely hapless by the end but Max says did I miss the part of the game where Poch missed three sitters Poch out doesn't solve our squad full of inexperienced and or inconsistent players so this quote Liam which has caused so much opprobrium Maurizio Pochettino, in the press conference, the team felt that maybe penalties would be good for us. Um, we've spoken a lot this season about how maybe his English has regressed since he was last in the Premier League. Do you think this has been slightly 
misinterpreted and maybe he was talking subconsciously rather than trying to shift the blame onto his players because in isolation and out of context it, it doesn't sound great I think it's been misinterpreted in as much as people either intentionally or just through accident are looking at this as Pochettino set them up to play for penalties and I don't believe that was the case you know, Matt Laws just tweeted something quite similar. We were both in the room. The impression I got from Pochettino's words were that he was talking about the subconscious feeling, his impression of watching the team play and maybe the impression he got from them in the huddles, you know, before extra time, maybe at halftime, extra time. It's not something that you'd, you'd necessarily set the team up to do. And I don't think Pochettino did. Having said that, it was still an admission of psychological weakness. You know, I commend him for his honesty, for his honest assessment of what happened, but I think it it will be held against him and is already being held against him and this Chelsea group of players in the aftermath, particularly when you look at who was in the Liverpool team that they were competing against and the way that Liverpool were still trying to win the game to the end and we're ultimately rewarded for that. So I, yeah, the problem for Pochettino really is that is the perception that it creates that, that, that Chelsea weren't Chelsea weren't minded to go and try and win this final. And, you know, as I mentioned in my piece, Klopp has lost plenty of finals himself, but he hasn't lost them. I don't think he's ever lost one by being passive when his teams have gone down, they've gone down swinging. And I think that's what Chelsea fans wanted to see from Chelsea. You know, the the whole idea of playing for penalties being innately pathetic is, I think, a bit of a misnomer as well, because that's exactly what Chelsea did in Munich in 2012. <laughs> and it worked out pretty well that day. But, you know, in every final exists in its own context. And I think Pochettino admitting that in this particular set of circumstances after the way that game played out was just never going to play well for him or this group of players I won't be surprised if if Pochettino sort of tries to explain more in his press conference on on Tuesday because it is a sort of huge PR own goal I wasn't in the press conference I was in the mix zone but as soon as I saw the quote you know and the people around me we all reacted because in print without actually sort of seeing the man sort of in the context of how he's delivering the line, et cetera, it does read badly. And of course we live in this age where people don't actually, when they see, see words, it's very easy to put your own interpretation on them. I don't think Pochettino for one minute was playing for penalties. No manager would take such a risky strategy, especially given Chelsea's record against Liverpool in penalty shootouts. <laughs> it's not it's not a great tactic. But I think what we saw was a lack of leadership come to the fore, a lack of players sort of really saying, come on, you know, we've got to do this. I also saw it, this may be very harsh, but I also saw it in the mix zone because basically no one talks, no one fronted up. Talking about bottle jobs, for me, that was a bottle job. Because, yes, I, I understand the the dejection, the disappointment, the, the crushing fatigue 
But I remember in similar situations going to cup finals where at least someone would come up and front up to the press. They all just walk past one by one, barely making contact with the press, let alone acknowledging them. And again, I sort of think back to that would have been a classic John Terry, this is a wake-up call, this isn't good enough message to the dressing room, but no one was prepared to do that. And as for Pochettino's subs, I didn't have a problem with them in the sense that he had to make changes. There there were players that were just, just they'd gone, they'd gone physically. So my question mark is for the players who came on and didn't take the opportunity, didn't make the impact that was required. Uh, Mudrick, this was another damning occasion for him, but he wasn't the only one. So, yeah, it's a it's a lovely Monday and we're all in a very upbeat mood. It just feels like with Chelsea that every time they get two or three results together, there's another setback that swiftly follows. And, and that's why it's a very hard... That's why we're in this sort of state of flux, this sort of 50-50. Is this... Is Pochettino got to go? Is it the players? Is it is it the club? The way it's run... It, these questions will keep on coming the more this this cycle keeps repeating itself. All right. Well, look, one more question and then let's never speak of this again. But it goes <laughs> back to um, to what we were talking about with the with the players and the mentality, Liam. It comes from Je Maison, who says, this isn't a direct reaction to today's match, but more of a continuation of a theme. Is Chilwell the right player to be captain? He broadly seems off the pace slash like he's not sure of his instructions and he seems to not be very level-headed. On that last point, we saw that in the uh, skirmish with Conor Bradley just before half-time, didn't we? You would have expected the Chelsea captain to, to stop and offer a few words maybe to the to the assembled press or are we reading too much into that because we are part of that? To be honest, I don't put a great amount of store in fronting up, as it were, after the event. I think the leadership you show in the event is much more important. I think the the Chilwell versus Connor Bradley thing is something that would be interpreted differently based on whether Chelsea won or lost. You know, if Chelsea won, it would be, oh, look at Chilwell setting a captain's example, standing up to Liverpool. You know, I think these things are very easy to interpret whichever way you want. I'll tell you what I saw from my vantage point at the, at the press box. Before the start of extra time, Chelsea's players all huddled round. Pochettino spoke to them and then Chilwell spoke to them. So he did assume a leadership role, despite the fact he's not actually the club captain. We're just so used to seeing him with the armband because it's been so long since Reese James has played. So he is, I think he is making an effort. Whether he's a natural leader or not, I don't know. He hasn't had much experience as a captain. I think we saw that with the whole mascot situation at Anfield as well, that whole misunderstanding. Uh, if you have someone who's used to being a captain, maybe that doesn't happen. But it it it, it speaks to me to a, to a broader point, which is that kind of everyone at Chelsea is kind of learning on their jobs <laughs> because there's, there's so much youth and, and relative inexperience at every level that it's just hard to feel particularly trusting that it's it's going to get the job done at the highest level. And of course, when you have a loss like that, like yesterday, it only shakes that confidence further. 
Mm. Yes. All right. Well, there's another big game just around the corner. We'll have a look ahead to that next. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, Simon, here's one for you. Chris asks, how hard will it be to raise the Chelsea players for Wednesday night? Lose that, and we're back to the mood being ugly again. Uh, maybe a bit of education on, on the history of this rivalry would help or, or just the fact that you look at the opposition and think, wow, they have won 11 of 12 games this year. They're absolutely flying. We can't wallow in our own pity. We're going to have to get right to it. Do you think that's something Chelsea are going to be capable of? No. Well, we'll see, won't we? But <laughs> maybe this is where the Gary Neville outburst can be used. If I was Pochettino it kind of does the team talk for him. There may be a sense of anger about being given that label. And it's kind of go out there and prove him wrong. Of course, beating Leeds at home in an FA Cup fifth round tie is not quite the same as as winning a trophy at Wembley. But still, it's a bit of a chance for a siege mentality kind of mantra. I'm just trying to think if I was Pochettino, that, that's what I might be doing. You know the whole country is is looking at you and waiting for you to fail and to lambast you. And, and essentially, they're se- well, Chelsea are in danger of their season being over sooner than last year, certainly in terms of trophies. Of course, the, the Champions League run went into, I think it went into April, if memory serves. So, yeah, the, the season feels very much on the line on Wednesday night, not just the FA Cup hopes, because... Losing to Liverpool is one thing. Losing to Leeds at home with that a huge away support ready to taunt. I'd say this is a bigger night for Pochettino than it is for anybody else. Um, he's got to try and get a response from his players, but they are going to be absolutely shattered today. They're going to be very, very down. He's got to somehow rally them, get them believing again and sort of making the point that there's still a lot to play for this season, that the they can, if they can get, I feel like if is a word we use a lot on this, on this podcast, if they can get a run together in the league, the league is still possible, but in terms of a, a higher finish, but we haven't talked about them losing 10th spot, by the way, on Sunday. I mean, <laughs> just talk about it. And it did rain as well, as I found as I drove home, it was a delightful drive rains and pours etc but yeah this feels like a, a very very important evening for the club because if it goes wrong you can only imagine the kind of noises you might hear that might put what we heard against Wolves into a whole new perspective 
yeah, you can be forgiven for approaching this with a sense of dread, particularly if, like me, you get in a train with Leeds fans to and from the game. Really looking forward to that, particularly on the journey home. Uh, let's talk about the team then, Liam, because there's going to have to be some changes, aren't there, just because of, of how many players played so many minutes in that game. I'm guessing Georgia Petrovic stays in goal because you might say that he was Chelsea's best player on the night. But where are you going to tweak things? Maybe give Christopher and Kunku a start? Maybe bring Madweke in as well? Anybody else? Trevor Chalaba, maybe? Well, I think the fact that changes are required is in itself a bit of a concern because one of the things we saw at Wembley was Pochettino trusted his bench less than Klopp did, despite having on paper more proven options relatively. I do think we, you know, if there's a game for Nkunku to start, this is probably it. He has to get more minutes into his legs somewhere. So why not here? Madueke, yes. The midfield's going to be an interesting one because, you know, Gallagher has more stamina than just about everyone, but he looked kind of out on his feet. And Pochettino made it clear after the game that he felt he had to take Gallagher off, that he just had absolutely nothing left in the tank, even though I think that Chelsea really suffered for him going off. And Enzo and Caicedo played the whole... What, 120, I think. So the midfield's going to be hard. They're going to have to find a way to match Leeds' intensity with a selection there. And Chalaba's a, an intriguing option just because you can use him in a variety of roles, can't you? You've got Alfie Gilchrist as well, who Pochettino seems to trust to a degree. So, yeah, I do expect to see, I'd say, probably about five or six changes overall. Because I think the turnaround and and the combination of the physical toll of 120 minutes plus the emotional toll of then losing <laughs> in devastating fashion, that's going to be a delicate one for for Pochettino to manage. But it's it's important that he gets these decisions right, obviously, because there's there's huge pressure on this game now. They need some sort of a response. Mm. There's an under-21 game on Monday as well, so it's going to be interesting to see the team sheet for that because there might be a Castledine or a Washington or somebody involved on Wednesday. And, and the other factor to consider, Simon, is that we might get extra time again. This tie's got to be settled on the night, so it's not just about who starts for Chelsea. It's about who's maybe going to be able to, to come on and affect things in extra time should we go there. Well, I suppose number one uh, instruction is don't play for penalties. <laughs> yeah, that... They've got to try and get this done in 90 minutes. Uh, I mean, the other, the other question mark is, of course, for Leeds. You know, how how motivated are Leeds to inflict pain on their on their traditional rival? Or could Chelsea be helped out by the fact that they've got bigger fish to fry in terms of winning promotion from the championship is a, is a far more important thing for Leeds than, than getting one over Chelsea. So... Can you get away with that, though, when you've got 6,000 away supporters as Daniel Farker? I think if Leeds go up, that's the thing. It's it's always a gamble, isn't it? Regardless of of who's playing, when, when managers rest players because of the league, it's only a good strategy if you achieve the other target, whether it be winning at the weekend or, or the long-term goal of, of promotion. But, uh, but, yeah, it will be interesting what Daniel Farker does. The fact that they played Friday night, that there's no reason for him to play a two-week inside. And he must be thinking there's a great opportunity 
against a, a Chelsea side struggling in so many ways after what happened at Wembley. So it's going to be a cracking cup tie. The atmosphere is going to be great. Hopefully Chelsea fans will will get behind the team and not carry the baggage from Wembley into it. Certainly uh, until Leeds go one and one up anyway. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there. But I'm, I am a bit concerned about what a defeat will do in terms of mine and Liam's workload over the next few weeks because there's going to be inquest galore, I think. Yeah, Leeds absolutely flying. As I mentioned, massive win, which we've alluded to against Leicester on Friday night. They scored three late goals in that one. They do have a derby on the Saturday, though, away to Huddersfield. So I don't know, maybe that will colour Daniel Farkas thinking slightly as they go for an immediate return back to the Premier League. They're currently ahead of third place Ipswich on goal difference only. Six points behind the leaders, Leicester. Uh, who's going to score first, Liam? Patrick Bamford or Ethan Ampadu? <laughs> uh, Bamford's got a couple against Chelsea, hasn't he? Mm, yeah, he's not a regular starter actually at the moment. So maybe that would be one change that they would make. He scored at Stamford Bridge, didn't he, a couple of years ago? Yeah, I remember that one. Of course I do, because I'm not being asked a quiz question about it. But <laughs> uh, I remember that goal vividly. No, it's probably Ampadu's turn, isn't it? Up from a corner, powering a header in, jumping in front of Mikhailo Madrid at the near post. Maybe, I don't know. He would have got in some minutes for Chelsea this season, right, Ethan Ampadu? I'm, I'm quite staggered that he's playing in the Championship. He looks like one of the, the best players in it by a long way. Only 23. Easy to say with, with hindsight, I guess. But given the injuries, you feel like he could have he could have been a factor for Chelsea this season. Yeah, and I, I don't think he did particularly badly on any of his loan spells either. He just kept getting relegated. That was the problem, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, certainly not the Italian loans. He seems to do pretty well. And his versatility would have come in useful at Chelsea this season, you suspect, even if positional versatility was probably the thing that held him back most in his teenage years at Chelsea. It's, it's nice to see him finally getting some career momentum at Leeds. There was a sense, I think, even while he was doing well in Italy, that he was a bit out of sight, out of mind. And now he's you know, in an upwardly mobile championship side. He could be a Premier League player again very soon. And he's clearly got the quality for that. And in any of my past dealings with him, he seemed like a very pretty nice guy as well who cares about the right things and wants to be a really good footballer so yeah wish him all the best um probably not in that game but we'll see it would be a good storyline if he if he plays well yeah 49 caps already he's got at the age of 23 he's played in a world cup uh good to see him doing well uh simon give me a prediction i mean obviously because you and i are there and working on it it's going to extra time right <laughs> mean predictions they're always so good I try and avoid predictions. Uh, do you want an upbeat one? Yes, please. <laughs> Leeds will only score twice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh dear! Prediction. I oh, I may may regret this. I'm going to say Chelsea. I'm going to try it because we've been so nicked, so down. So for the listeners, I'm going to say Chelsea for their benefit. I'm going to say yeah, Chelsea will get through and all be well with the with the world again and and uh, the Todd Bowley Clear Lake Consortium are, are once again sort of making a positive impact on the football club. Can't get more more upbeat and and sort of almost a political spin than that. Well done. 
great work. Uh, we certainly need it because you feel like the atmosphere might turn if Chelsea don't win on Wednesday. But let's hope that they do. Whatever happens, we'll break it down in our Thursday show. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-21s absolutely flying at the moment. They came from behind to win 3-1 at Middlesbrough on Friday. They scored three times in the last six minutes. David Washington, Leo Castledine, and you guessed it, Ronnie Stutter. Four goals in four games for him now. A Chelsea striker who scores a lot. Huh. Uh, the under-18s won two. Took them a while to break down Aston Villa at Cobham on Saturday. In front of Maurizio Pochettino, Jesus Perez and John Terry. Danel McNeely missed the penalty before breaking the deadlock. In the 73rd minute, Sean Wade wrapped up the win late on. No game for the women's team. They are on an international break. Congratulations to Hannah Hampton for getting the nod for England on Friday night. Right, that'll just about do it for today's podcast, but not before Liam tells us a little bit about his post-match piece. Neville's blue billion-pound bottle jobs line will immortalise Chelsea's pain. Yeah, so we felt we had to acknowledge the the one-liner that will dominate the post-match conversation. And live in Peter Drury's nightmares for the rest of his life, probably. Yeah, he had some Shakespearean soliloquy all planned out and then completely upstaged by a handful of words. Yeah, a, a piece really about, you know, the reality of the game, but also the perception of the game that will linger for these Chelsea players and for Pochettino and and what they have to deal with now. The fact is that, you know, I, I don't personally like using the term bottling it. I think it's far too pejorative a phrase for elite level competitive sport. But the fact is Liverpool didn't win with superior talent in the end. They won with superior mentality. And that's something that Chelsea will have to deal with and Pochettino will have to deal with and and try to make sure it doesn't happen again if they get the chance. Go check the piece out and all Liam and Simon's other fantastic work up on The Athletic now. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up. If you are not currently a subscriber, you can also leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your pods. If you'd be so kind, it helps other Chelsea supporters find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, now known as X, at SO Cobham Pod. We will be back with another show on Thursday, reflecting on the glorious return to form and dismantlement of Leeds United and plenty more besides. Join us for that if you can. Until then, thanks to Simon, to Liam, to Lucy and to you. See you soon. Bye for now. The Athletic.